we all come from different backgrounds musically. It's not like we got together and we're on the same page. Like it took years. <laughs> um, here I am. Here I am. To learn how to speak to each other in the, a way that put us on the same page. Yeah. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you as in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> we knew that we could find a way. We knew that we could find a way. I'm in a cabin in the Alps. <laughs> Eating brie. <laughs> Yo, another nice little European tour in the books. Just got home a couple days ago. It was only a couple weeks. Felt like longer. Felt like more like a month. Um, but yeah, everything was successful. It was all good, except for a few little hiccups. Uh, we had, one of us had our bags stolen, I think, according to him, he believes straight out of the van while we were loading in Amsterdam. Um, we do have the tapes coming. We, you know, he went to the police and reported it, and uh, there was a camera there. So we're gonna see, I, I really wanna see this fucking goofball crawl into the van and pull this bag out and uh, slickly walk away or whatever this person did. Uh, so there was that. We had a little uh, food poisoning hiccup. My brother got food poisoning uh, from, I'm just gonna say it, cause I mean, why pull punches here? Abdul's in Manchester, okay? And speaking of Manchester and speaking of pulling punches or not pulling punches, uh, I broke a finger. Uh, slap boxing backstage in Manchester with Serengeti. Foolish. Foolish. Yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, you still want to have fun as a nearly 40-year-old man. You, you still want to have fun with your buddies backstage. Well, it didn't work out so well. I, I think I, I landed a finger somewhere in, in the crook of his arm and got, got it stuck there and sort of pulled out the wrong way and uh, assumed it was not. I didn't think it was broken because I could move it. It was like the knuckle on the, 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 the hand knuckle, not the finger knuckle, you know. And uh, I, I just thought it was the same as last time when I, I messed up a finger and went and got it, you know, x-rayed. And they said, oh, it's not broken. You just need to move it a lot. So he's like, you know, for the for the next week, I'm like attempting to stretch my finger every which way, bend it backwards, bend it forwards. Uh, let's let's put put the muscles in the finger to work. Carry this heavy ass uh, amp. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So I probably messed it up further. Wondered why it was still super swollen and painful when I got home and uh, decided you know, that maybe I ought to just go to urgent care and just get a, just get it looked at. And I, I didn't even think that there was, that it was possible that it was broken. I thought, well, but maybe I ripped the tendon or something. And uh, that's even scarier. I, I don't know the exact ramifications of that, but I, you know, it sounds like something you would need surgery for to get it sort of reattached uh, or something. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, when the doctor came back with 
the x-ray. Uh, I didn't expect it, but he said, yeah, it's broken. It's not the worst break in the world. No surgery. You know, I've had, I've broken, this is, I've counted it. This is the eighth broken bone I've had in my life, maybe ninth or tenth and, and for things that I never got checked out. But, um, yeah, not the biggest deal. Six weeks, they say, for the uh, splint to stay on. Uh, I'll probably have to make it five because uh, we are heading out. Uh, as I did say on my Instagram, I did post a, a picture of my hand on there. And, uh, you know, we're heading out on, on the U.S. leg of this alopecia 10-year anniversary tour starting on November 1st. So that's less than six weeks. That's five weeks or so. So I think I'll be fine. Unwrap the uh, mummy cloths and uh, move forward there. The biggest peril of this situation is is uh, the danger uh, of of getting peanut butter and 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 avocado and uh, mayonnaise uh, on the wraps on the hand wraps. You know, I, I really have to tie my arm behind my back when I'm in the kitchen, and I'm often in the kitchen. For those of you that know me, know that. Uh, but it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, we did do the Israel Festival despite uh, some Twitter outcry uh, from Twitter people. There should be a name for that, tweeters, Twitters. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we did it, but I, I made a statement. I made a statement uh, dedicating... I made a couple statements during the set, but uh, the first thing I said was I dedicated the set uh, to the former occupants of the former villages, uh, Palestinian villages that used to be in the area where the festival was taking place and named one of the villages that was right there where the festival was and said, wish you were here, you know, in regards to those villagers who were chased out in 1948 and their descendants, of course. Uh, and who knows what became of them. But I, I think that's their rightful land, right? Uh, now, it's not a, not a simple issue, obviously. Um, and I made it, the second statement I made was, was pretty clearly condemning the Israeli government for their actions. Uh, I didn't go into this blindly, okay? I consulted my, my uncle, uh, who is a political scientist and worked uh, in the Obama administration, is a liberal guy and uh, certainly uh, anti the way that, that the Israeli government is handling the situation over there. Um, he put me in touch with two uh, prominent Palestinian professors who also sort of gave me a lot of information about the area and, you know, gave me the, the, the names uh, of some of the villages and the uh, sort of history of that area to, to sort of open my eyes a little bit more to the plight of the Palestinian people, uh, which is, it's, it's nothing, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Okay, so I, I took the opportunity to go over there, learn from it, talk about it, and I did. I had quite a few conversations over there, uh, as well as, of course, now I'm talking to you now. Uh, so 
but I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, you know, this is just to say that uh, it was a calculated decision. Okay, I didn't go into it recklessly. But we're back uh, in the States now and glad to be back in a way. You know, Europe is better, obviously. Everyone knows Europe is better uh, than the States, especially now. Cincinnati's great and all, but, but you know, I like, uh, I like Amsterdam and Berlin and, and uh, Dublin, okay? C- go and catch that tour, though. If you're, if you're interested, if you like Alopecia, the album, uh, our album from 10 years ago, get your tickets to the U.S. tour, whywithequestionmark.com slash tour. You can get those tickets, see all the dates there. Uh, speaking of the original Alopecia tour, that is where I met Frances Quinlan, who I speak to today. Hop Along is her band. Uh, we played at a Quiznos. I, I, you know, I don't want to say that we played at a Quiznos because it, 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 it was a student center type gig, you know. Uh, you know, one of the Michigan schools, Michigan University, Eastern Michigan, I don't know, Ann Arbor. Whatever school is in Ann Arbor, uh, I believe we played at their student center. There was a stage there where we were there, but there was also a Quiznos in the room. So for all intents and purposes, and purposes we played at a Quiznos together, okay? Uh, met her there, cool set. She handed me a tape or a CD or whatever it was at the time. I don't know what it was in those days, probably a CD. Uh, and it was great. And we listened to it uh, on the rest of that tour in our van. And that were, that was sort of her first experimentations into recording, I believe. That was the first Hop Along album. Have been friends with her ever since. Don't see her enough. Don't see her enough. That's how, in music, that's how it is. You see, you see pe- your, your, your colleagues... Once in a blue moon, when they come through your town or you go through their town, they come out to your show, you go out to their show. And that's what this podcast is good for, honestly, because I, I can make the excuse of saying, let's do a podcast. Then I can sit down with somebody who I like for an hour uh, and have a conversation one-on-one, whereas normally, you know, you're in a loud room, music is playing. You know, if, you, if you're even backstage hanging out with them, it's, it's sort of loud and rushed and they're nervous, they're ready to go on. You know, this allows me to take some time, say, okay, well, let's go sit down for an hour and just talk. And, and this is the first time I've ever talked to Francis uh, for this amount of, of time. So that, that, was, that was nice. Um, if you are a listener to the Wandering Wolf podcast, and I know you are, you're here right now, you're listening right now, and you may not listen all the time, but if you do, and you really like the podcast and you want it to keep moving, keep going, then consider patronizing the podcast, donating to the podcast. Uh, I don't even want to say donating, because you get something out of it. Uh, right now, you're listening to an episode, and you get to continue doing that, and I think that's a service. Consider patronizing. Patreon, patreon.com slash Wolf to keep the podcast going, whatever you can afford. Uh, Those of you who do patronize with $5 a month or more uh, become my executive producers. And I do uh, read your names aloud at the end of the podcast. At the end of this podcast, I'll have uh, uh, some 14 names to read, and uh, we will get there. Okay, 
let's move on. Let's move into this conversation. Um, it was a joy to have this. I went to her show early. Her show was at the Taft Ballroom, which is the uh, downstairs smaller venue there. Still, still sizable, a 500, 600 capacity room. But the upstairs is uh, a very large room, maybe 3,000 capacity, uh, seated venue, beautiful old room from the 1800s. I saw uh, Phantom of the Opera there, I think, when I was 14 years old, maybe. Uh, My mom got my brother and I tickets. I saw Sufjan Stevens there on the Carrie and Lowell tour. Beautiful, beautiful show. And I was lucky enough to be let in there by whoever the promoter was on the hop-along night to have a conversation with Francis. So we sat, just the two of us, in this huge 3,000-capacity theater and had this conversation. This is my talk uh, in the Taft Theater with Francis Quinlan. Seven o'clock p.m. Cincinnati. Oh, motherfucking Ohio. Rolling up to meet my friend Francis Quinlan. Taft Ballroom Theater. Theater. Now, where is she? Yes. Hello, I'm Yoni. Hi, I'm that guy. We've been waiting for you. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> the grand entrance. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you, guys. Thank You're you. Welcome. Wow, I'm honored. <laughs> Sitting here in the Taft Theater upstairs, the beautiful Taft Theater uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio with Francis Quinlan. Yeah, what's going on? I'm probably going to talk in this volume. It's about your volume? That's okay. That's about right. Cool. Sounds good. Looks good. Um, <laughs> How's your tour going? You just started. Just second, yeah. This is second date, maybe? Day two. Yeah, we're sort of rushing on this one a bit uh, because it's a, a West Coast tour. Oh, so you're just trying to get out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're kind of, there are a lot of back-to-back, like, seven-hour drives on oh. this one. Yeah. And playing those days. Yeah. Well, no, you know, we have a few days off just for travel, so it's, it's actually not so bad. We'll have two days of, of very intense um, drives followed by shows and then a, a day off to just drive for, like, eight hours. Cool. Cool. So. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we're recording. Um, so, and is this this is kind of like this would be considered your second tour on the new album? I guess it's the third leg. Third leg. Yeah. Okay. So you do do you go tend to go in two two week kind of things, or do you do month long? Like, do you do half the country and then another half the country? Yeah, we'll do two to three weeks. And now we're just kind of in the, the hairy part of it because if you want to get out to California and you want to do it in three weeks... you got to play fucking whack-ass cities yeah. like Cincinnati <laughs> to get there, you know? This is my first time in, in Cincinnati proper because, you know, we were in Newport, yeah. Kentucky the last time That's right. we were around. Oh, and you were playing... With me without with, you. With me without you, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm curious, actually... Four years actually, ago. I'm curious about that was four years ago. Yeah. 
It was the Catch for Us the Foxes reunion tour. Okay. I believe. Ten year tour, excuse me, not reunion. God damn, that's like time flies. Um I guess it was a reunion. I was curious in regards to that about um this like the Philly the Philly scene. You live in Philly still, right? Yeah, yeah. This is actually my tenth year living in Philly. Okay. Where are you from? First of all, I want to say I want to. Can I guess? Because I I didn't read. Yeah, it sure. Are you from Baltimore or something like that? I don't know why I think. I that. lived in Baltimore. I went to school okay. there. I went to okay. Micah. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm kind of from. Uh, so I Mark and I lived in Jersey uh, until our parents split. I was about like ten. He was twelve when we moved. Um, in with my stepdad, uh, which is like near Allentown, Pennsylvania, kind of. Okay. Uh, that's the closest, like the rural suburbs of Pennsylvania. Did your mom pass away or something? Or? No, no, no. My parents split up. Yeah. But you moved with your step. Oh, oh, yeah, your mom, mom as yeah. well. Okay, yeah. gotcha. We all moved gotcha. in. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like half Jersey, half Pennsylvania. Okay. Childhood. Okay. And then moved to Philly like after college or something? Yeah, which I didn't intend to do at all. I thought it was way too close to my parents because it was an hour away and I was such a spaz. Um, but Mark and I started playing together. Like I was playing solo because we, we played together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2008, 10 years ago. Was that that? That was 2008? 2008, okay. like March. Like it was I, my, was trying I was on my spring break, yeah. Okay. And it was in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Really? It yeah. Was it wasn't even in Philly? It was like, no, no, it was... It, it's so I felt funny. like it was at the church. I mean, we played together at the church, but that was like my solo show, and you played solo. Mm-hmm. But that was in 2012. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Upstairs, remember in that mm-hmm. little tiny room in the sanctuary, or not the sanctuary, the the chapel. But but did, like but did we? You never played in the basement with us. No, I saw you in the basement. Okay, because you were saw, with we Mount Erie. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Who just got married to to like a a, a famous act actress really yeah whoa cool great i think that's wonderful yeah the last two albums have been unbelievable oh yeah um oh yeah yeah heartbreaking yeah shit. gutting in like the but best like, way incredible. i mean yeah. yeah uh no we played it's it's funny because yeah i was i was 21 i wasn't 22 yet and uh i was approached by this student um who a friend of our like a mutual friend showed my music to her and she said hey um why is playing at Ann Arbor on like I don't know it was, it was during my spring break like, and she said do you want to come play so Wait, was I this booked the a Quizno tour show yeah I oh booked a God, tour around that show to get there to play because it was the biggest guarantee I'd ever been offered okay which and, was uh, what if we can ask five hundo okay yeah that's not that was bad massive for, especially if you're you know, solo yeah uh, so Dom and I just like I, I just said there's a show um, let's book a tour around it and so we did it was like a week long and uh, yeah. Was Dom, he, was he playing with you? Um, he was playing, on that tour, I think we were separate, like solo. Okay, okay. Um, Maybe he played on a song, but we weren't playing together. Like he, he hadn't joined Hop Along yet. He was in Hop Along for a couple years. Right. Uh, and then that summer, I graduated, uh, moved back in with my parents for a couple months, didn't know what I was gonna do. And Mark invited me to come just live at his house in he, South Philly. He was already in Philly. Yeah, okay. he went to school at Temple. We should say Mark is Francis' brother. Yeah, my older brother yeah. um, and the drummer. Uh, and yeah, 10 years ago, we just started playing together and it just made sense to, to go live with him. And then I just ended up sticking around. Okay, so, I, okay, I, my one question I was going to ask before I got into all that is just like, is, are you like connected to like the scene in in uh, in in Philly at all? Like like you know, you, like 
I I interviewed Japanese Breakfast here oh, yeah, we know recently, those guys. and then like uh, you know of course me without you. I don't uh, a Alex G right? Oh yeah, Philly. yeah. Like, do you know all these people? I do. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I, you know, certainly not everybody. There's so many bands popping up. Sure. In Philly all the time because rent is um, still affordable. Knock on. Sort of. I mean, not compared to Cincinnati. Right. Francis, you right. might you might want to consider relocating. <laughs> Shit, man. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've, I've like, built a network now, though. I know. Like, <laughs> I, know. I, know. I know my neighbors. Um, it's it's nice, but yeah, I know. Uh, actually, Michelle, it's funny. She was in a band before Japanese Breakfast called uh, Little Big League, yeah. And they opened for us when we released Get Disowned in 2012 at the church. So they okay. played that show. And then there's uh, Mary Lattimore, this amazing harpist who actually lives in LA now. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's you know like the Dr. Dog guys, uh, but they're not. Okay, none of them Dr. are really Dog. in there's, Philly anymore. Okay, actually. they were from Philly though. They were. That's though, right. Yeah, yeah, we toured with them. We toured with. Uh, uh, Sandy Alex G now who like we, we met them officially on like a built to spill tour okay yeah where you fun. were both opening or something yeah yeah like yeah they were opening and we were supporting what's uh, the oh uh, the supporting is the second yeah yeah okay they were first we were second yeah yeah, yeah. um that's that was cool. amazing that was such a fun tour Doug is like such a sweet man. he's a sweet guy yeah I think I feel like I met him like for a second one time we we you know have played a few festivals like He's punk as fuck. With Tormages him or, himself. You know. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah. Now? Yeah. At age like 50? Yeah, he's just wow. he's just super mellow. Yeah. Yeah, very generous. Um, Great band. Yeah. Even to this day, they, they kill it live. They do. Yeah. Oh, man. I was just talking to Tyler about how like the songs don't really age. I mean, when you think about how... that what, what uh, Was it Perfect From Now On that came out the same year that OK Computer came out or something? I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I'm not like that versed on their. Ca I had like two of their albums, the one with the cloud on it. Oh, uh, there's nothing wrong with love. With, yeah, which is fucking great. Yeah, and that then, has car on it. And then one other one I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, they they you know they've been around a long time, and you just like compare them to other albums coming out at that time, and it's just like, it holds up so well. Yeah, I would say OK Computer probably holds up too. Maybe it does. It does. I, you know, some would say. But, you know, I, I guess I, I'm sure it's because I just didn't hear it at that time, so it just doesn't make me think of... Like, it's funny, the music I've discovered that's from a certain period, but I, I don't think of that. Like, it's timeless to me, so it, it exists in the moment. Whereas Radiohead, like, I listened to them since I was four years old, so it's very nostalgic. You know, yeah. it, kinda, it does kind of sit, like, certain songs. So you got hip time. to... Is this because of... of Creep. Mar I mean, Mar Creep was on like, the radio. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I was six, I guess, when that came on the radio. Okay, that's early though to be for me to me like you know I was into like just religious music you know what I mean just like whatever my parents you know did was did do you call your brother Marky for some reason I want to call him Marky yeah we all call him Marky okay I just yeah. hear that but I'm not allowed to call him that you can see what okay. happens <laughs> there was a, you know I've had they've there have been a couple times where I've tried to be too familiar with people's names and they've been like uh uh no no no. Um, no, he's pretty chill. But so he, no, he is, he is. He, I think I'm on Marky terms. I mean, you know, I don't know him that well, but, you know, we're cool. Plus you're a fellow E, you know, you got, you Exactly, know, exactly. <laughs> I have the, whatever, pejorative name, whatever you want to call that, the, the, the cutesy name. Um, so did, were you, did, did, was he like a music guy, like early on? Was he getting you into stuff as a kid, little kid? Actually, we were, we diverted um in interests like okay. pretty severely growing up diverged in interests excuse me uh my dad though and my mom 
were both, you know, like my dad was a big Beatles guy um, and super into, I didn't find, I didn't really listen to them until later, but he was really into the Kinks, I remember, and had like Pixies records. I mean, I went out when I was 15, he took me to this place called Compact Disc World in New Jersey, and I, you Now, what did they sell there? <laughs> yeah, and I was just, I, actually at that time, I was desperate to find music for myself because, you know, Mark was going off to, he was super into like hardcore at that time, and going off to shows, and I was generally picking up what he would just leave behind, you know, like he got into Marilyn Manson and put him down, so I got into Marilyn Manson, and then, uh, yeah, I was very, I, I made the most confused mixtapes in like sixth grade, it would be like Natalie Merchant, followed by that like electro, electronic band like Prodigy, Yeah, Prodigy. followed by Marilyn Manson, followed by like Jewel, it was just really, and then there'd be Nirvana unplugged like five times, because I only I had did like, like that unplugged three album. albums, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was trying to find something cool for myself, and I we were at the the store, and um, you know Slater Kinney's self titled was playing, and I just immediately got it, and then I brought it home, and my dad just went to his rack, and he's like, oh, this one, and he just pulled out the same CD. He already like, had it. Your dad had it. Yeah, he already had that. He had Bell and Sebastian, but he was also like a collector, so he would have. So your dad was into cool shit. Well, he would have it because he heard about it, and then he wouldn't really like dig into it, but he had it. Like he was a collector. Like he had stuff that was still shrink wrapped. This is this before they split up, or this is when you still lived with him, or you would go visit. This is when I was visiting. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah, weekends. So uh, he would collect stuff. He have sit, stuff sitting in their shrink wrap. Yeah, but, and we wouldn't. You know, it was one of those like frustrating things where we connected about music much later, um, because he just didn't know the you know, the depth of my interest in it. Uh, so I found out later that he was a big Modern Lovers fan. Like, when I became a fan, you know, then we could talk about it, which was nice. I mean, it's nice to connect at any point in your life with a parent. Uh, but, yeah, my mom got me super into songwriters at a young age. Like, she got me, in, like, I've been listening to Joni, like, most of my life, uh, as well as, like, Cat Stevens was a big one. And then, you know, she and I would listen to um, Highway 61. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like my first Bob Dylan album. I think that was my first Bob Dylan album. Really? She I, and I would yeah. sing it together. It was cool. Yeah, she's chill. And then I would come home from school and she'd be like blasting um, George Michael or Patsy Cline or like Wilson Phillips. Like she had an interesting that was her like That was her like rev up music. That was her like yeah, get, get, that, get it going. Yeah, she'd be like tearing up the linoleum floor in the kitchen. So right. like, <laughs> I want your sex blasting. It's like, yeah. cool, mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, I see, I see like this, you know, I mean, this is a totally sort of separate thing, but I, I, you said, you mentioned that Mark was into more hardcore stuff. And I mean, I, I would say Sleater Kinney is more up that, would you say that up that, I mean, are you, or do you mean he was into like fervent, like hardcore, hardcore? Yeah. Like hardcore, hardcore, like, okay. um, there was a band called This Four. I'm, I'm, I'm Stuff that I could never name. listen to. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was super into Pantera yeah, okay. at one point. I mean, I went and saw Pantera and Slayer with him Ugh. because his friend was going, and I thought he was really cute. That so. sounds loud. It was. <laughs> it was Slayer supporting Pantera, too, which was kind of crazy when you think about it. That is um, crazy. Yeah, and it was at a huge bank center. It was really funny. Uh, yeah, no, he was into, like, more just very heavy, aggressive. Okay. And I was more into like angsty, but it was really cool because he saw that in me. And I remember, I, I don't know, I was turning 15 or 16 and he gave me Pedro Valayan's control and I, like, that hit me immediately. Were you guys believers, Christians? N no, our, our parents were, I, I'm, I wanna say they're probably both uh, 
agnostic. Okay. Possibly, uh, like, one on the atheist side, one agnostic. I asked because of Pedro the Lion. No, I mean, I, I just... I, there were a few tooth and nail bands, I remember, and then Page of a Lion, where I just like liked the music. Yeah. Um, but the narration hit me really hard. And actually, I remember reading someone... What do you mean narration? I don't know, I don't know the Page of the Oh, the lyrics. Um, okay. Yeah, his lyrics get really dark, and they're very... Um, uh, yeah, they're like scenes, a okay. lot of the songs. And somebody compared him at one time to Flannery O'Connor, and that's actually what got me into that author. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, also a Christian... And like, Flannery O'Connor is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, yeah. I've only read, like, I think I wrote, read Wise Blood and then some short stories. A Good Man is Hard to Find. That's, like, one of them. It's, there's a book that's really thick that I, I don't recall a single bad yeah. short story in it. I would highly recommend. Um, yeah, he gave me that, and then a couple years later, he gave me uh, a Bright Eyes EP. There's no beginning to the story, and that, okay. like, blew me away. He was all... Uh, Bright Eyes was the first home-recorded artist I'd ever heard. How, how did that... But I was going to ask you about that for the uh, uh, freshman year's thing. And is it, can you tell me, would you remember if that... I think that's the thing you gave me. I did, and you wrote me back about it, and that was really We listened to me. it a lot in the van. We We were listening to that a lot. I remember that tour was like... Yeah, that was yeah, the, that the, made the, my the soundtrack of the tour. Year. <laughs> that was so cool to be written back by by you. That was cool that you took the time. Yeah, I remember meeting. I mean, it, it's it's something that artists definitely don't have to do. And the few times that people have have given me their time and spoken with me about their art uh, when I was young and just yeah, a spaz, it was very very cool. David Bazan did it once, and then and then when you wrote to me, it was yeah, you never forget. Things like that it's, on MySpace. Is that wrote what on I, MySpace? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so R.I.P. So, so yeah. So like that album had had a very like home recorded like sound, and you know obviously to an extent it's like okay that's what you had. You know what I mean that's what the options that you had, but it, it sounded intentional to me. You know. Oh, I was pushing really hard. Yeah, because I was also super into Kimya Dawson at the time. Okay. Too. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to sound. I wanted to sound. I don't want to say worse, but just like I would see like more lo-fi, like more lo-fi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Were you, did you record that on a computer or was it on like four track or something? It was on my first MacBook uh, that I got when I was a freshman. And uh, I went to Guitar Center and bought, my dad got me an interface for my birthday, okay. I remember. And then I bought Cubase. Okay. So it was mostly done on Cubase with a little, um, one of those um, fire wire. Yeah, Firewire. Yeah, interfaces. And uh, I would, like, go back and bug these two guys at Guitar Center. I can't remember their names, but they were really nice to me because I had no idea what I was doing. And then my friend Chris helped me. Like, he had a basement studio, and we did four songs there. Um, and then uh, my friend Damien, who actually passed away a couple years ago, helped me with a couple songs as well. So I was going over to people's houses and working on it. And, yeah, it was a cool it, summer. It just has that that sort of quintessential, like, home recorded intimate like I don't know it has that feeling that you want when you're someone that listens to like that you know and I don't even know what where to put that like within genre or you know what I mean but it's like it has that quintessential thing that you want from home recording which is like you really can you get to know the artist 
Thank you. In I'm a gonna... more in a, in a deeper way than I than I feel like when you hear people's studio stuff. You know what I mean? It's funny. It's like an oversharing album too. There's definitely songs. I was like, why did I put that? It doesn't. That didn't need to be 16 tracks. But I wanted. I remember I wanted it to be an hour long too. I was like, I want you to really have to sit in it. Like, there those. That was the era <laughs> of long shit. You know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there were the, a lot of the albums I really liked were were long and in depth. Like I I remember I heard Milk Eyed Mender. Uh, like months before I did that album. It's so funny. I mean, when I think of the, the two year span where I heard, it feels like everything. Um, yeah, I, I just. Was what, like two, 2003, four ish, five? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 2003 to, to six, yeah. I would say. Because that's when I heard uh, Joanna Newsom was huge. A, a bunch of, like, I heard Bright Eyes and then I went into the whole Saddle Creek catalog and now you're on saddle Creek. i know it's trippy how does was, that be? that must be cool it's trippy. well we went to like a uh you know we're, we're friends with the people on the label they're incredibly nice um mm -hmm. people and we were in omaha for two days hanging out and uh and i had to like step back and just like i just had a conversation with mike mogus and it was totally normal uh -huh, all uh -huh. right <laughs> and you and you try to be you know you maintain because now you're like all right i'm an adult and i have yes. experiences that are of interest now, yeah, and uh, uh, but I, I I don't feel far from the person that had no experience that right. was just trying to you know, yeah, get people's time. It's so funny. Um, How did that happen? I mean, you, do, you, when you say you're friends with them, did were you already friends with them, or you became friends with them over after them sort of finding you guys? And well, I guess Rob found our music and then contacted Merrick. I think like our booking agent. Okay. Uh, I think that's how it happened. Who's, who's Rob? Rob runs Saddle Creek. Rob okay, Mansell, okay. yeah. Um, and then he contacted us, uh, called us up. CJ from Saddle Creek came to visit us in Philly. And Do then... you know that I work with Merrick, by the way, now? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. He's <laughs> yeah. the best. Yeah, 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 he's great. The first person we ever hired and um, the best decision we ever made. Uh, he came to see us at, like, a loft show in Boston, like, I guess 2012. And, uh, yeah, lovely person. So, okay, so the guy from Saddle Creek the, found your stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I think, like, he, and then he hit up Merrick, who hit up us. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they were very, uh, they were just clearly interested in the music because we certainly weren't cool at that time when they came In 2012? I mean, that was, the 2012. It was 2014 because okay. we just toured with uh, Owls and then Me Without You. I think we met Rob on the Owls tour. Okay. That's right. Yeah, he came to Philly for that. And then we went with Me Without You, and then we signed okay. the contract. And, and uh, okay, so the, yeah, the 2012 record was without was not with them. No, that was with a, a label called Hot Green Records okay. that Joe was a part of a long time ago. And, Joe and our band. Okay, and, and um, like, like, what were you doing? Like, I'm curious, like, between when you did the solo one and when you did, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of that one. I wrote it down. You'll tell me. Get Disowned? Yes, Get Disowned, uh, which I have. You sent me the vinyl of that one. So I've oh, had that sweet. one. Yeah. Um, but, you, like, you know, that's that's a good, like, you, you did the solo one. I know you gave it to me in 2008, but you had done it a couple years earlier than that even. So, like, that's a long time. Like, were you thinking, like, I'm going to keep doing music or, like, fuck it, I'm going to be a, you know, waiter or what? You know, like, what, like... What were you doing during during that those years before you you decided that okay let's do this as a band type thing? We I mean, 
There, or were you already, were you playing shows from all that whole time? Well, there were so many gaps to begin with. I mean, when I started, when I made, uh, fresh, when I wrote freshman year, I was a freshman in college and it was the year I got like my worst grades because I, I was working more on the album, I think. And turns out that was more important. <laughs> well, I went to school for painting, which I've actually done, been doing longer than I've been making music. Like I love, I mean, I, I'm still, I, I do sketches on the road to just keep, keep my hand in if it. You don't follow Francis's uh, drawing <laughs> Instagram. Oh yeah, Franck it's, Q underscore, I think it's something like that. You'll find it. Yeah, it's in there. Um, if you're into very linear drawing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, your your work you. is incredible. Thanks, Yoni. Yeah. Sorry, but I, I interrupted. We, uh, so go ahead. Oh, yeah. Well, so uh, at that time, those four years, you know, after my freshman year when I got my worst grades, I decided I, wanted, I did want to commit myself more to school because there were amazing facilities and I wanted to be printmaking and all this stuff. So I only toured during um, winter and spring breaks. That's it. So I would do 11 days one year. And then I think my sophomore year, I, I don't know that I did. No, that's right. I did a winter tour and then my senior year, uh, I did a spring tour, and that's when I met you. Okay, so you so were there, in school during that time, and then yeah, and then we graduated, and then like I, I started playing with my brother, and that took such a long time because again, our our tastes were still far removed from each other, um, even then, and it wasn't until, and we only had like three bands in common or something. Which were what? Well, Page of a Line was one. Okay, that one we hung on to, and I think kind of Radiohead. Like I know, I think he liked the Bends. That was a big one. Right, the more rockin' one. Yeah, and I know we both always liked that Lauryn Hill record because I remember I found it in his room when I was younger. I was like, it's really good. Under his, <laughs> under his mattress? His, yeah. His secret. <laughs> it was on the CD player. He wasn't hiding it. It was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was in his bedroom, which is a secret place anyway. But, uh, yeah, and, and we were just, we took a long time playing together. I mean, he was the first person. I have always hated practicing, uh, and, and my brother was the first person to insist that I do it. Like, I think he's the reason I'm a better guitar player now. Uh, so we were just working on hashing songs out together. The following year, uh, we were approached by P.S. Elliot, which is Katie and Allison Crutchfield's old band okay. um, of like Waxahachie and Swearin'. Uh, and we did a full U.S. tour. That was our first tour as like Mark and myself. So we just we just took a long time. You know, we would work for months and months on songs. And it was and just the two of you. It was it was the two of us and, and our and Dom okay. at that time, but Dom was also in in another like his solo project and another band was forming called Lithuania. So he was sort of intermittently in and out. But Mark and I lived together, so we would play together most times. Okay. Um, but you know, like songs like Tibetan Pop Stars, which is on Get yeah. to Sewn, that's an older you know like that was written like late two thousand nine. Okay, so it's the type of thing where you Slow were slowly burn. writing stuff for Get Disowned. Yeah, I mean that 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 album took two years to make, so we started recording it in 2010. I mean, not straight, but just yeah, yeah. very intermittent. Because Joe, who's in the band now, uh, co-produced and mixed, like engineered and mixed. That. Like, so he was like, you know, working on that album day and night yeah. a lot of the time. But he was also in a band called Algernon Cadwallader. And they were on tour a lot, very busy. And I was a house painter at the time. Like I've Indoors only, or outdoors? Both. Okay. Yeah, my aunt owns a mostly female um, house painting business. Nice. Because, like, just all my aunts and my mom were doing it, my cousins. Uh, so I, I'm a they pretty decent... They come to Cincinnati? <laughs> I could. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty all right. I'm slow, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, I still do that on the side. Like, I've only had odd jobs um, my whole life, so I've never really had a, a, a weekly 9-to-5 
five days a week job Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I've just done whatever I can to um, still make music. But it's funny because there was never a time, you know, we thought Get to Sewn was going to get really big. You know, we were were very, you know. It did pretty well, though, right? It did, yeah. I guess I just mean, you know, you, you have to have this healthy amount of, delusion every time you go and make something Mm -hmm, first of all because you know you're the only person that's going to care about it until it's done and then who knows you have to like tell yourself that there's something about it that's inherently necessary you know yeah you have to believe that it's important yeah so I think I believed in it so hard that I thought yeah like after this comes out you know well it'll be all set you know I won't still be working in a kitchen after this but of course you know years later I was still working in the kitchen you still are now I just I just um I guess in quotations quit sort of because uh, um, I've been working at Johnny Brenda's for years, but, but we're on and off so much. I mean, we just, you know, I, I just spoke with them in the winter and said like, here's the rest of the year. I should probably, you know, take a break. Yeah. So I was hosting there um, for years, wonderful staff and I've played there and we've played there many times. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played there? No, we never did. I, and I, I think maybe cause it's 21 and up and we yeah. always told Sean Agnew that, you know, we wanted to play all ages. So he would always put us at the church and then we, when he opened the other place, we played there. The Union oh, Transfer. Union Transfer is yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Really good spot. Yeah. It's tough. There's not too many in between yeah. sized venues in Philly that are all ages, which is a shame. It's either, yeah, you play, um, the church or you play a bar. Yeah. Generally. We had a couple really dud shows in Philly early on. I remember, and I don't remember the names of the places, but some, yeah, before we sort of settled into the church and that became our, like, we played there all the time, you know, for years. The church is the real deal. It's like the hottest I ever get. I went to see Bill Callahan at the church Mm -hmm. and I, I had I had to leave. It was so hot. It's, yeah. He's so quiet and understated, yeah. and I I could hear everyone's paper bag around their forty, and I just got so annoyed. I had to leave because <laughs> I just was hot and and just yeah, um, angry. <laughs> yes, yes. But. Uh, so okay, but I mean, I do you feel so. I see. I thought you guys had blown up over the last. You you did over the, like. B- a slow, a slow but steady growth. Can we call it that? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we're we're a band, so it's you know, we're a collective. So I think it's it's a little slower in that case. You know, I th- I think. What uh, do you mean by that? Well, everyone's schedules and everyone's a, you know, it's it's a little more of a of a challenge to make sure. Um, well, I don't know. I guess we're just a little more deliberate, you know, in decision making. We, mm-hmm. we speak about everything as a group. Um, in, in making music, we're all very uh, intense editors. So all of the writing we do takes a long time. I mean, there's never really, I, we haven't had a gap between records that's shorter than three years, I don't think. And, and you always write, you don't, you, do, you don't write songs yourself and bring them to the group? Well, I, I do, but it's, it's complicated because what will happen, like I always need time, like I, I can't jam, I'm awful at jamming. Same. Uh, yeah, so. I, we rented, actually we rented a Dr. Dog studio um, in the very, very early stages of working on songs for Bark Your Head Off. Uh, and that's kind of like in the outskirts of Philly. So we would just go be alone in this awesome, beautiful uh, warehouse space. And what would, how it had to work out was I just would um, go in a room by myself for like 10 minutes and come up with 
a riff and a half or something. And then everyone would come in and we would just play that for an hour. And then everyone would go back out and I would work on another. So we went out, we came out of that week with like a, a bunch of little pieces that later became parts of songs. Instrumental though. Yeah, instrumental. I mean, I can't, I, I cannot write lyrics. So you lyrics. write lyrics over top the instrumentals? No, I can't do that. I have okay. to, um, it has to kind of happen alongside because for me, like the phrasing is, um, it's instrumental as well, which it didn't, it's funny. I've really, I've really um, had quite a struggle of a relationship with my voice because it's so characteristic. It can't do anything. You know, you have to What do you mean of, by that? Um, I heard this interview a long time ago with um, Kate Bush, and she talked about the limitations of her voice, and I really appreciated hearing that because she has a beautiful voice. It's, it's amazing, but it's very characteristic it's it's not like um you know like uh otis redding could sing the back of a cereal box and it would sound i mean he can sing whatever he wants you know mm -hmm. and nina simone can sing in my opinion can sing whatever and, and it sounds you know i don't you pleasing. know look, look, <laughs> let me say this i i think that i hear you but i i think maybe she, maybe she has a, a or you have a you know smaller range or whatever than than otis redding or, or seeing nina simone but like I don't know. I, I I think of it the same way in a in a way like Kate Bush. You those guys. You guys all have very unique voices. Maybe you mean you couldn't sing right. You couldn't sing someone else's song and it feel like your own or something. Is that what you mean? Well, even just like I'm very when we, whenever we do a cover, it's it's a challenge because someone will want to do a song. I'm like, well, I gotta see if I can sing it. And I'll go off and see and and a lot of the times you know it's rough. I mean, <laughs> like it doesn't sound right in your voice. You yeah, mean, just you know it. Or you, you can't hit the notes? Well, it's like if you wanted... Okay, for instance, I tried to cover Hey a long time ago by the Pixies, and I had to give up. It was so frustrating. I love that song so much, but I just could... There's no way. I mean, of course, it's not like you're trying to do it better than the original, but you want to do it interestingly and engagingly enough that people forget about the original for a little bit and listen to your version, and I couldn't do it. I could not, you know, do it. To, that, that to me, that has more to do with, like... Um, having vision to to change it into into knowing knowing how it should be coming out of your own mouth right yeah no it, it, i think i was probably too in love with the original version right, right. maybe it was the issue um but you know i, think I fucking love your voice i'll just oh, say thanks, that Yoni. i'll just say that <laughs> i just you know i think there is a um a polarizing quality to it and it's not that i want to uh get away from that so much but i do uh think about it, you know, like what would sound, you know, because the band is so good and I want the vocal to complement the band too. Like that's our interesting dynamic. Like I'll write something and I'll bring it to the band and they'll go like, oh, I really like that. And they'll play something. And then Joe or Mark will come up with something and I'll, I'll go, well, that's better than what I wrote. So now I got to go back and change the vocal to match what you're doing. Cause I don't want you to, you know, if something, I mean, that's the, the great part of um, editing together. Like I'll bring them a skeleton of a song. Like I'll, Okay, so we had all these pieces, and then I took them home, and I made sure, like, uh, you know, I made a demo where I could play and sing a whole piece, you know, four minutes long. And that would be the first time that it would be, like, a full form, you know, um, from all those pieces. Because the pieces that we recorded in Dr. Dog Studio or in practice spaces, I mean, we were doing, like, lots of little sessions together of just, like, brainstorming. So um, you're chopping all that shit up and making demos. Yeah, yeah, and I would just take apart, you know... Um, is this for every album, or is this just for, for Bark Your Head Off? It, it's, it, 
because we didn't really become the form, we didn't become the formation that we are now until we did Painted Shut. Okay. Everybody that's in the band now did play on Get to Sewn, but we weren't a band as the four of us. Like Tyler just joined uh, right before we started recording Get to Sound. So you feel like Get to Sound, um, I'm sorry, Painted Shut and, and Bark Your Head Off are sort of a different. Yeah, and Painted Shut's like kind of a document of us as a band because we were just figuring it out, the four of us. So there really wasn't, there was only time to get our parts the way we wanted them. Like we spent so much time on that that we didn't really get to work on instrumentation or other ideas because we were just struggling to communicate with one another. Because again, we, we all come from different backgrounds musically. It's not like we got together and we're on the same page. Like it took years to learn how to um, speak to each other in the, a way that put us on the same page. At what point does it become like, okay, well maybe then like, you know, you can be in your band and I'm gonna be in this band. You know what I mean? Like, at what point are you like, okay, well let's just, let me find people that I have. This is just devil's advocate. Let me find people that I have, you know, more, uh, you know, more more similar language with, or more, you know, shared language with, um, or do you think it's it's more beneficial to the project to have diverse ideas and, and, and ways of, of thinking about music? I think it's the second. I mean, I think it's why we sound like a band, even though um, I would consider our project very lyrically centric in some ways. Um, obviously, I, I mean, there's people that definitely like don't care about the words at all, but like our band, which is awesome. I'm happy to have that. Uh, at the same time, I think, I mean, they've improved so many songs that I've brought to the table that I, there's just no question in my mind about our playing together. I have started doing some stuff on my own, um, just because I want to make music that has that where I don't think about the live performance at all. You know. So you're thinking about the live performance when you're making an album? Well, for this record, we finally just said, let's, let's, this was the first time we said, let's not worry about that. Like, let's just make an album because yeah, we have the have studio. Yeah, strings and shit like that. No, no. Yeah. But we knew that everybody would, we knew that we could find a way. And that's why we added uh, Chrissy to um, the touring group. Okay. So we're a five piece on, on the road. Uh, Chrissy sings on all those full lengths. She's on Get to Sew and Paint a Shot and Bark Your Head Off okay. like, a lot. So it's really cool to hear her voice on these older songs that, she was on, that she recorded years ago. Um, but still, I mean, you know, Joe's parts are so involved and engaging as are Tyler's and Mark's that I think even the gaps, like it's not an issue. The no. things that are missing, like I don't think people generally go like, where's the cello? I no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think so. Live is different, I think. You know, it's just a different thing and the, you're, you're, the visual energy is there and the, you know, like, this tour has been more of a struggle, though. I don't know if you've ever had this issue with the record. Like, with this record, I feel like we really came the closest that we ever meant to at getting the sound we wanted and getting and creating the mood we wanted to. So once we finished it, I was just like, man, there's so, there's, I feel more pressure than ever to, like, live up to this live. Well, that was my, I, this is, my, you know, my last question that I had. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't write, like, questions for the whole thing, but my question here was bark your head off sounds a lot more orchestrated and hi-fi than the other ones what you know did you guys have a producer an engineer just more time or you know like that's what I was wondering because it, it there is to me there's a distinct 
difference between that one and everything before it. Like, thank you. Yeah, it just it just sounds more thought out. The the arrangements are are more considered. Uh, just technically, it sounds better. You know, I think. Yeah, we thank you. Um, we're very lucky to have Joe in our band, um, who you know engineered and co-produced uh, "Get Disowned" and mixed it. <laughs> Shit, I'm not trying to crazy. diss. I'm not trying to diss Joe's work. No, no, the other ones sound great too. But but that I'm saying that because I when I made the inserts for "Get Disowned," I, I did this huge bad friend move, also just dummy move, where I forgot to write that he mixed and like he engineered and mixed that record in the insert. And the inserts are like handwritten posters. Yes, and uh, we got the inserts, and he was like. Dude, like, where is it? Oh. So I hand wrote on 500 inserts, mixed in. It was easy. It was in my handwriting anyway. So I just took a micron and just wrote it all in. Yeah. I mean, I hope I made a wrong right, but I did. I did commit a wrong. Well, you did your pen. It's learned by a lot. Yeah. Writing and getting your micron. <laughs> out. It was a good thing they were they were handwritten. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I try to handwrite the inserts in case there's a mistake. Nice. In the future. That's not really why, but it's just because that Neil Young. Harvest insert. Yeah, I I I, I handwrite everything. Yeah, it's just it's just more personal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but so go on. So Joe. Oh yeah. So we have Joe. So we have his ear. Yeah. And his ability to translate. And then also Kyle, who assisted on Painted Shut with John Agnello, like John Agnello, um, uh, produced and mixed that album. Um, we decided for this time because we knew early on. Like one thing I wanted to make sure was early on that we talked about the moods of the songs, you know, so that we, when we went into the studio, we all were on the same page as to how they should feel. And um, we all were really committed to exercising restraint in ourselves so that there would be more room for yeah. other, other aspects. Uh, and then we wanted to have more time. So the one way to have more time is to do it yourself. And luckily Joe has this beautiful studio space in Philadelphia already, which we've done all the albums at, all the full lengths. So Okay, okay. So we did it in his studio with Kyle, who's his partner at the studio, um, engineering, like with Joe. For just for the mixing you're saying? Or, or No, um for, for sorry, for the for the recording. Okay. So we did like five weeks recording. Okay, so but you just did longer recordings. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But we were able to because we were on like a, a, a lower budget because we were, you know, a studio that we already had access to. And, yes. Um and working with ourselves and, and Kyle. Yeah. And then our friend Ryan Schwab, who mastered all our full lengths, mixed and mastered the okay. album. Okay. Well, it sounds great. I mean, Thank even you. just, you know, as, as, you know, I do some of that kind of technical work and, and uh, just frequency wise. And so it just, it just has more, it has more beef to it and it has, you know, it's a little clearer and stuff. Yeah, that's just yeah. something I noticed. Thank you. You know, yeah. we wanted. I mean, you know, we wanted it to. Um, I just, I don't. You know, the thing I'm always after is um, creating us. You know, a space. Yeah. Um, so it's like kind of a it's it's kind of a tricky thing with effects, you know, because you want to convince somebody that they're hearing an organic sound somehow as much as you, but you, I mean, that doesn't mean like don't manipulate sound, but you, you know, you, you want to do it in this way that people still believe there's somewhere else and not hearing, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah, an yeah. instrument or, I mean, oh, obviously it's all they're manipulating. Hearing it. Yeah, yeah. It's totally manipulating sort of spaces. Yeah. Cause my favorite albums are, you know, albums that I would listen to from beginning to end that put me entirely, you know, yeah. like I think I remember you, you're a big Joanna Newsom fan, right? Yeah. Like East is like one of my top yeah. albums That's for great. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, or like Airplane Over the Sea is definitely another example. 
of that for me. Right. It takes you through many, it's almost like uh, going on some kind of Lord of the Rings adventure where, you, you know, it's like now you're in the hill country, you know, and now you're through the forest and now you're in the rocky plain, you know, like, it, yeah, it, it, you're sort of taken on an adventure. Yeah, it's funny, you know, and, and then you realize, like, man, this is not a social record. Like, you try to put that on. Right, it's a right. very private. Yeah. It's funny. We, I don't know, I feel like we're in this funny, I, I, I don't know how I would categorize how, not that I would tell people how to listen to our band, but I think we're, we're pretty funny. I don't know. In terms of what, what, what genre it is? Or, or what, like when you would put it, I don't know, I try to think of like, oh, I wonder what kind of record this is. Like, would you put it on in the morning? Would you put it on in the car? And I, I mean, I remember hearing like Drake was talking about how he, uh, when, you know, he listens to his album in his car. And that's, I mean, obviously like, that's like, you know, a mixed tester, but he was talking more about like the songwriting and like the, I don't know, like how it feels. And if it sort of works while he's driving it, it's good. I guess, it? yeah, like driving at night. And I I mean, maybe that's like a good, I don't know. I just don't know. What's your, who are you making music for and in what environment? Is that what you're wondering? I guess so, yeah. I mean, not as far as like a demographic. Like I don't, I don't care if, you know, they're young or old or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, like spatially, um, when I try to think of, like, I have it in my head at first, you know, that there, there were times we're making the record where I thought, like, I want this to be like Astral Weeks. Like, how do we do that? And, like, we, of course we couldn't. Like, and w and what, does that, what does that mean to you? Just like, because, you know, I mean, that could mean different things. I, I feel like it's... Well, it wanders, you know. Like, I wanted to make something that could wander yeah. because of the fact that we're so, we do edit so much. Um, it's very deliberate. Uh, like, I was talking to a friend of mine about ELO, and he was saying he didn't like how structured it is. Like, it's very... You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I love ELO, yeah. but, uh, but I guess it's, that's true, but it's very orchestrated. It's, mm -hmm. it's very deliberate. Um, but I guess you could say the same. I mean, I, I have a feeling that Van Morrison was really regimental to the people playing on his record. But that but, album doesn't sound like it. No, right? no, not at all. I mean, right. you think that people are doing everything on the spot. Right. I mean, Highway 61 is another perfect example. I mean, it's certainly every song is only like two parts, a lot of right. them. Right. But uh, you can hear people wandering throughout. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, wild. I mean, the story behind that is that he never, he didn't give his band any, any notice. You know, he just right. would come in and here's the, you know, here's the chords and then. He but I'm would, sure they were the greatest session players oh, exactly, around. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. So he would just go and he just, yeah, that's how he liked it. And then Al Cooper, who didn't even play organ, just like wandered in. That's, that's such a, a cool good story. story. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. good. The 33 and a third about um, Highway 61 is pretty good. Okay, I don't, yeah. I don't know that I know that. That the, 33 and a third is, is. This is uh, little books, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some good moments in that. Yeah, he's he's a trippy dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what Bob Dylan was my first like, like foray into like oh, like uh, you know, music can be like poetic. You know, like when you know when you're 12 or 13 and you're like, oh my god, this is so deep. Yeah, the, well, and they're like was, paintings. I mean, that's the crazy thing. Um, again, I would lyrically compare. I, I don't know. It's really, it's like a, Her, a Hieronymus Bosch painting or something. Mm -hmm, right. It's just like chaos. Yeah. And you have no idea what it means. Like it's I rhythmic somehow. Yeah, and like it's, a yeah, and it's riveting too. It's just, it. yeah, that really puts you, and I don't mind at all that it puts me in this cartoon-like space because it just feels very, I don't know, it's, it's satirical but also sad, um, but also, I don't know, but also like a beautiful song. I don't, so, yeah. you know, and, and, and dovetailing off of that, like, 
I, I still don't quite understand. So you, you're making these demos, and then you're, are you at home then, then like trying out different, different melodies and different lyrics that you've already, you have lyrics already written around? Well, so, so I write lyrics um, usually, like there's, okay, so there's a few songs that will come out whole, like mostly whole. Like you're, like you're writing lyrics and melodies in the rehearsal space with everybody? Well, no, like I'll write them all together and okay. then I'll bring it to everybody ah, and then you. we'll arrange around that. Yeah, like how simple I made a demo because I needed to, um, we needed to come up with two songs for this film. Like we agreed to do these two, like we had to come up with two B-sides because we didn't have any. Yeah. So um, initially how simple and a completely different version of Somewhere a Judge were composed for this movie that never came to be. Okay. Um, actually, I think it did come to be, but like uh, another two years down the road or something. Anyway, uh, I, I did demos for both of them on just acoustic and on my phone and just mailed that to the band. And then we workshopped them. And initially, How Simple was faster and just like more energetic and bombastic and, and heavy handed. And then later we realized that like, we should, you know, take it down a notch. And that's the version that exists now. Somewhere a Judge was completely different. Like that was more akin to get to sewn songs, like again, um, high energy, low energy, like, like very dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just wasn't working. None of us really felt much about it. So we just let it sit for six months. And then we were in another friend's practice space. And um, I just stripped it down to like a couple, like I would just like hit a chord and then Mark was doing this dancey beat. And then, and then that made me think of, um, that Daft Punk Julian Casablanca song, Instant Crush. And I like wanted it to be like that. It's like very, it's a mess is mm -hmm. all I can really say. So I had to go back with this new structure of a song that already existed, but was totally taken apart and put back together. And I kept some of the lyrics, but then I had to just, just destroy. I mean, this, this band really, um, made me less precious, which is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, made me less afraid to throw away things that aren't just aren't good enough. Mm -hmm. Cause you get married, you know, you get married to a line or, or to a part and you think it's pivotal, but there's so many songs, uh, you know, uh, I, I, we did an 11 minute song once years ago. And at one point, um, Dom was like, Hey, do you think it like needs to be 11 minutes? It's like, yes, it does go away. Like, <laughs> and now I think like it absolutely does not. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I kind of went off. No, that, <laughs> um, so does the band help you edit words too? Are they like, ah, I don't like this line that much or, or were they not really comment on that stuff? Not on the words, just on parts. Okay. This part feels strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they wouldn't say it was lyrical. And I don't know if they thought that they've never indicated that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, generally it, the one thing we can, we're pretty good as a group at feeling is when something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And the good thing is like there's, the four of us are all pretty expressive about when we think something's not working. Uh, so generally for this record, I think we, we hit all those problems. I mean, there's, there's a song on the album called One That Suits Me that was written pretty quickly. Um, I think like the lyrics, like it was, a, it took a long time to arrange, but it came out as a piece mm -hmm. kind of quickly, I think. Um, but it went through so many edits. That's the thing, like you can have a, a full song that seems like it's one one thing. And then, you know, a week before we went in the studio was when we changed Somewhere a Judge. So that 
was like a completely new song when we went mm -hmm. to the studio. And one that suits me went in one way. And then um, Joe took apart and just moved it, like from the bridge, his solo. And I was singing the chorus a certain way that I, I you know, I was, I, I thought maybe if I just sang enough, because I, I do my vocals over and over and over again. Like I'll do a ton of takes. And I thought maybe if I just kept doing it, I would figure it out. And then he changed the part. Like he just moved a section. And then I was like, well, I guess I got to rewrite the fucking chorus. All right. Yeah. He was like, just write some new words. And I was like, fuck you, dude. Like, I mean, I was, so, so he was, he was going in, uh, in in the computer. So you guys are chopping shit up in the computer and moving shit around a lot? Um, Not a lot. Just, just when it needs it. When it needs just, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and it was easy enough. I mean, like it's just we just removed a part. It's a, it's it's like the same as if you were to just cut a piece of tape and just put them together. Yeah, you know, sure, like, sure. Like back yeah, in no, the day. I, I get it. Yeah. Do you, are are you are you comping vocals? Yeah, I, I do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing it because the the thing is, I'm still kind of even though I've already sung it a number of times and it is written it's still so different when you go in the studio and hear everything as it is because it's nothing like i mean we had songs from painted shut like waitress we'd been touring that for a year and i remember thinking like that one's going to be cake like we've been playing it constantly and then we did the recorded version and i went to sing it and it kicked my ass because it's it just not was the a, same it's not the same and you can't i don't know you, you have to um there's just there's this agonizing permanence <laughs> to records, you know, yeah. that you want to, uh, you, you have to think like, I have to live with this forever. There's something psychological that goes on in the booth, so to speak. Yeah, and and, and, and I really take it for granted. I, I don't know, maybe that's the wrong way to put it. I forget every time that whatever you release, people will take it as finished. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that I'm saying like you put out just whatever crap, but I mean, uh, I forget all the time that people don't see the process. They just don't. I mean, some people are interested, but most people aren't, probably. And so everything you go through to My get My listeners are interested. <laughs> but, you know, whatever whatever uh, you you end up with will be, you know, whatever you... That's what people see, or that's what yeah, people that's hear. Yeah, that's the object. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so funny that you're making an object. It's not an object, obviously. You can't touch it. It's I mean, a sound for, object. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's a thing that exists gelled in a certain way it doesn't change later you know although i like the idea and i i feel like i think kanye did this on the pablo album but like i like the idea of having music out like in the world like with digital now you could do this having it out in the world like on s streaming platforms or whatever and like slightly updating the versions over time you know if you're like you know what? I you know, know you're, listen that. crazy. you're listening. You're listening to painted shut. You know, like five years later, and you're like, ah, I should have done it that way. And then I you guess just it's like do a remix, it. Except it's exactly. performed. It's yeah. like a perf wow. You I can kind of keep doing that. updating them a little bit. Yeah, he did that for like the first couple months or something that it came out. He just kept changing it. Yeah, there really aren't any rules anymore. Right. I guess. Which I, mean, I think is good. Yeah. To I mean, I, at the end of the day, I do too. I mean, there's people. Somebody came up to me last night and said they heard me on Spotify and I was like that's great I mean you know for me it was like I would just go to FYE and just grab I mean like why is that more what's anymore? FYE FYE used to be the wall and I don't even know what it that was, is it's another it's a CD store okay oh, okay tapes, oh yeah. got you got you got yeah, you yeah, so mall. you you still you buy physical albums still and stuff well, uh, I, I'll buy LPs. Yeah. I don't. I mean, CDs. Yeah. I don't really. I haven't bought a CD in a long time. Um, I just don't have anything to play them on anymore. Uh, my boombox ate it. <laughs> but yeah, I'll buy LPs. I, I DJ now, oh, okay. on and off. Cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like 
the the um how simple that's the first song on the album right the 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 single yeah and that's kicking ass isn't it no i think yeah i think i think it's it's doing i've been hearing it on the radio oh cool see i'm i'm too in my own head and world too to really know what's going on so i'm just trying to be careful about what i think is going on trying not to not to overthink it i mean we live in in an age where uh I think a lot of people are unhappily comparing themselves to each other, and I'm one of them. So yeah, me too. Yeah. I've been trying to stay off of the uh, the social media, you know, just it's a, it, it can be detrimental. Getting off Facebook. Uh, I mean, I'm on Facebook, but taking it off I don't my phone look at it. helped. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm on Instagram, and that that's uh, a big comparison. I know. Me too. I'm on there I'm too. I'm on a cabin. I'm in a cabin in the Alps, you know, <laughs> eating brie. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it's tough. It is, you know, but yeah, I've been trying not to look at it as much and just to sort of live my own life. And Well, those apps are selling big now, too. I think the apps are trying to help babysit you off I your just phone. just got one of those. Yeah, is it helping? I was thinking about getting one. I don't one. know. I, I refuse to pay anything for it. So I'm like on the uh, the free version, which doesn't give you much information. It's just like you're on the, you're, you know, you're on your phone four hours a day, whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it just like throws me into a panic without knowing what to do with it for, that I could, for $3, I could, you know, they would tell me what to do, but I don't, you know, I'm not willing. I know. I almost, I almost want to pay someone to just yell at me. It's so funny. Yeah. I think that's part of why I like miss school. I miss having someone on, because like who gives a shit about paintings, you know? <laughs> I mean, I do, but. So are you, okay, can, can I ask you about visual art then? Sure, sure. So you went to school for it. Uh, and, 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 and just tell me, because I, I don't, I don't want to, yeah, you got to go in a second. Um, just for briefly, tell me a little bit about it. Are you, are you still painting as well or mainly drawing now? I'm mainly drawing just for the sake, just because of how easy it is to just pull my, you know, like I, a friend of mine, um, Scott gave me uh, these watercolor um, postcards and I started painting in the van um, on the Built to Spill tour, I think was when I started doing it. And uh and Steph, our merch person, gave me the watercolor set that I travel with. So I'll do watercolors, but uh, I was really into oil. And um, in college, I was doing these like huge narrative oil paintings because I was really into Bruegel. Yeah. Um, super into Bruegel and Goya, and uh, you know, my mom was these a printmaker. These are big, heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I would take a whole year on a painting. Um, Shit. Yeah, I was doing like you know oil on panel. And I would do it in pieces, you know. So I did a painting that was like eight pieces of, of wood on these frames and it would be like, you know, six by seven feet. Uh, what just, was the subject matter? One was, um, oh my God, they're so insane. Uh, one is a bunch of birds. Like my, my, my uh, freshman into sophomore year, I did this really long, like horizontal painting. Again, like I think it was seven feet across and four feet up. Uh, but it was all these birds just carrying. I, I don't know if like people didn't exist anymore or if people just weren't in control anymore. But it's just all these birds uh, carrying abandoned objects or or whatever uh, to the top of this cathedral, building this huge nest. I don't know why I decided. I, I would just come up with stories um, from from nothing. Or there's another one where there's all these anteaters with Viking helmets that are fighting over this beehive, and all the bees are trying to steal. Like you know, the bees are are going AWOL and abandoning each other and anteaters are decimating them. I don't know. I don't know why I did it. It's not from anything. Sounds like Bosch in a way too. It has yeah. this, this, this sort of sort of story like, uh, I don't know. Everybody's working at something, you know. Yeah, and at that time, action. I, I had no experience 
at that time of my own to really speak of. Like I didn't know how to speak of my, my own life or childhood or anything like that. So I was just making stories out of, out of nothing. Like a lot of freshman years is fiction mm -hmm. entirely almost. Um, because I just didn't have the confidence to really um, say anything. I don't want to say that was true. It's not, it's not like that stuff was false to me. You didn't want to, to reveal your own... I didn't know how to. I just didn't have the tools. Uh, it wasn't until later that I thought, like, I want, I want to um, observe. I want to do things from... It's so funny. Now I, now I, I don't have any confidence to um, paint something from nothing. I, everything I do is from observation. It's like, it's funny. That's true. I, like, you flipped. Are, you're mostly looking at stuff. Yeah, yeah I mean, I just don't have... I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's weird. It's like, I, I don't know if I think my... It's because I'm painting less, but uh, I just don't feel like I have the credibility. You know, because when you're younger, you just... You, you tell yourself all sorts of things about like, oh, I gotta tell this story about these anteaters for some, you know, and now that I'm older, I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know Why would I? Much. Yeah. Uh, so everything is, has to be from some, it has to at least come from observation. Uh, so I've actually been working on and off on this painting in my house. Again, it's large, it's on wood, it's oil, but I've been working on it almost 10 years. Oh my God. Yeah. I can show you a picture later, but it's, it's yeah. It's your mentaculus. It's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to finish work. it. Every time I look at it, I'm like, Oh, you, this is, this is tough. <laughs> Are there layers and layers and layers? Are you? Oh yeah. But it's not like it's thick with paint. I mean, yeah. it's, I, 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 you're scraping. Well, I'm, I'm so, I use like little brushes and it's a big painting. Like it's yeah. kind of silly. Like I don't really, I, 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 I'm a funny painter. I'm sure any, a number of professionals would be a, a bit annoyed with my process. Do you, do you think that you're a self-editor to your detriment? Uh, I'm sure, because it keeps me oftentimes from even finishing something, because I'll just think, like, this is so wrong. And I'll almost be too embarrassed to finish it, just to, for the sake of, even if it's bad. Because I, I have friends that I really envy who are very prolific, but then they tell me, well, yeah, but, like, I don't, use half the material yeah you know like you hear about bands that you know they'll come up with 60 songs and they'll choose 15 yes you know um and i just could never get that far i mean every album we put out there's no b-sides from any of those records there's only been b-sides from barker head off dog and that's solo songs okay that, yeah. that, that are demos essentially no they're they're finished it just, okay, the, okay. it, it would they would have made the album it would the album would have had to be a double LP. Okay. And it just couldn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's better as the form that it is. It's like it's a great album. Good length. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Annie. All right. Well, I, I could talk to you forever, but I gotta I gotta let you go do your warm ups. Keep your voice golden. Thank you. This was lovely. Is. This is such a cool room. Yes. I for liked, sure. I like to uh, vibing out in this huge um, old space. Well, we'll get a, we got to get a photo real quick for, oh, uh, yeah. for the for the thing. So we'll find a place to do that. And yeah, yeah. Maybe need a flash here, but I'm oh yeah. Well, I'll be around. Yeah, and okay. feel free to come hang out. I'm backstage. I'll, this, Sounds this place good. is pretty chill. For sure, for sure. Well, thank you. Say bye to the people out there. Bye, people. Good talking. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you very much, senoras, senoritas y caballeros. It is I, Yoni Wolf. Thank you for listening to this podcast, you guys. I really appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash thewanderingwolf and become my patron, and I become your servant to create these episodes for you. Those of you 
who did give uh, $5 a month or more, you are my executive producers. Ladies and gentlemen, my executive producers. Adam Chase, Alexis Johnson, Caitlin Augustine, Dylan Rowe, Cemetery Chips, Isaac Lang, Jim Laskowski, Joel Blankenship, Matt Hill, Merrick Jarmulowicz, Simon Bird, Tim Vecchio, Emma Ridgeway, and Paul Solorzano. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much. As well as a couple of folks who preferred to remain anonymous. Thank you also to those people. Jason Streets. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say their names, obviously. Jason Streets was the uh, quarterback from uh, Friday Night Lights, for those of you not knowing. Mike Saracen. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you guys so much, as well as those of you who gave whatever you could afford. Totally cool. Uh, And I I, I do really appreciate that as well. Awesome bringing these shows to you. Whywithaquestionmark.com slash tour for the why dates. Uh, Hurry up and get those tickets because they're selling fast. Uh, New York's been sold out for months. Uh, We considered adding another show there, but we didn't. We're not. We're doing that one. But sometimes they they release a few extra tickets at the door. So they'll, they'll, they'll be like, okay, well, let's release 20 tickets you know, the fire marshal allowed us to do a few, whatever it is. I don't, I don't know the, the rules and regs, but that's they'll do that oftentimes. Thank you very much to Francis for sitting down with me. All the music that you're hearing, little snippets, little little background stuff, uh, has been other than the, the normal little intro that I have and whatnot has been Hop Along. And if you're not familiar with Hop Along's music, you should be. Go check it out anywhere that you get your musics let's go out on a hop along song this is how simple keep wandering